Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is our bonus episode with special guest Jenny Helms, licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. She is the podcast therapist that you guys know and love from this wonderful show. This week, we are talking about grief and grieving, uh, uh, subjects that you know, you think you have a handle on and then you find out more information about and you go, okay, well, maybe I don't know about this. Or maybe I'm super uncomfortable with this. Either way, we tackle everything uh, as far as what is grief, how do you grieve, how do you support someone who's grieving, and why have all of us been grieving during this entire pandemic? So without further ado, enjoy this month's bonus episode with Jetty Helms on grief. I relate grief to death, right? Like that's the generalization. If you lose, uh, you know, a pet or a loved one or a family member, like enter grief and grieving. Um, but I've been put in my place in the last year. I wanted to know if that's generally what you hear when you talk to people about grief, like as a, as far as your clients go, or if people are more open-minded than I am about what it is and where it comes from. I think the general population does associate grief and loss with death typically, or they might even go to the, like to the extreme of understanding like divorce is a big loss or, you know, more things, things of that nature right? or losing a job. Um, but I don't think they understand how grief plays a role in so many other areas of their life and how it shows up for everybody constantly and in these small ways um, and sometimes in bigger ways that we don't always connect the dots on. And when we're talking about trauma work and attachment trauma work, it's often grieving what we didn't get that we deserved, right? In a like ideal, loving, healthy world and how we, um, how we're taught you know, what family is, what love is, all of that. I mean, a lot of my clients end up grieving the things they never got um, from family members or the things they may never get emotionally from family members. I like how you defined that. Grieving is, I'm going to screw it up, how you just said it, uh, not getting what you in like a normal healthy life would deserve. I like that a lot because that makes a lot of sense. Um, is, I mean, is that kind of how you would define grief or is there, I guess guess that doesn't cover everything. I think that's what, that's one part of it for sure. As far as just like attachment trauma, Mm -hmm. um, that lens, but I think grief in general is, well, there's a couple of things. (laughs) So grief is when we typically we associate with loss, right? Like we lose something, but I do think attachment plays a role because, Often people, well, what I've learned about grief is our capacity to grieve is our capacity to love and to go deeper with something. And when we can't grieve, we typically don't love deeply. Like we have a limited capacity of how much we can love and attach ourselves to things because the more attached we are to a thing or an identity or an idea or a person or whatever, the more that if we lost it, yeah. we'd have to grieve it. Interesting. 
So I, I see it as more of like a, a relationship with our love and attachment with things. Yeah. Um, that we might lose. That's fair. I can I can see that. And I, I'm I'm thinking. Um, so I, I I was called out by my therapist on or by two therapists this year on uh, a couple things that I did not identify as grieving or something I needed to grieve that I was kind of blew off because I don't <laughs> I don't give myself credit. Um, but one thing that I think may be overarching for you, and this is, we'll see, this is kind of a telling of the geography of the country. Um, so up here in Michigan, uh, my therapist said like back in May, June last year, God, we're coming up on almost, almost hitting the second year of this cool pandemic. Um, <laughs> all her clients for the most part were experiencing grief because of the pandemic. And that didn't make any sense to me because I was like, grieving what? Like, I didn't understand, like, like, what is there to grieve? You're just, you know, (laughs) you're you're stuck inside. You can't go do stuff you're normally doing. Like, that's a weird thing to say your clients are experiencing. And then I described how I was feeling. She's like, that's grief. I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) got it. Um, So that was a big one. And I'm still not fully wrapped my head around that but then the second one was when I was doing an EMDR session and uh, talked about my brother and realized like I never grieved the relationship that we had when we were kids and Mm -hmm. that I was just uh, you know trying to move on and have that same like I was angry we didn't have the same closeness that we had when we were completely different people essentially right so that's another thing that I been incredibly helpful to just like be like oh i need to treat that as a loss because that's what it is so are you seeing back to the pandemic like is that something you were seeing or are you still seeing in your clients and what does that look like as far as like what does grief look like and why is it grieving during all of this can you explain that better than i just (laughs) maybe i'll I'll try (laughs) i'll try so i think it's interesting words because people kind of attach to different words and languaging. And um, I think grief is very accurate. And like in therapist world, yes, that is so accurate. Yeah. Um, because what's happening is people are losing what was normal for them or the, the ways that they used to organize their lives has shifted dramatically. Like in any time we have major change, we typically have to grieve the loss of the old, the, the familiar, um, even when we make good change. And it kind of, so it's confusing for people too, because they're like, wait, why would I grieve this if I'm moving into a better space? But for many people, this was a not better space. And I think the languaging, a lot of like mainstream, like more of the general population has used around this is that they've been depressed. Yeah. (laughs) that's one of my questions. Yeah. So I think, um, so depression and grief kind of get, uh, confusing sometimes. So I, you know, without, you know, it's not this simple, but I think a simple way of putting it would be situational depression is likely grief because this seems to be a more situational depression. It's not that people were already depressed and it was like necessarily enhanced. It's more of a like people are depressed because of their context yeah. and because things have dramatically shifted and they, they've had to grieve what's different. They've had to, they've lost 
um, in-person connection with people and sometimes just connection with people in general. There's been a ton of isolation, um, a ton of people being more on their computers and doing other things and, and connecting and you know, we are biochemical creatures. Like we're, we're grieving the loss of just being outdoors and doing other things that we normally would have done, but we've been kind of, again, in our own, um, isolated areas. And a lot of those symptoms that people are identifying as depression, I think are more about the grief and loss of what they used to, how their life used to be and the ways they used to be connected. Um, And so, yeah, so that's kind of, if I, yeah, I don't know if I'm saying it right as far as she was defining it, but I would agree with her that it's a lot of grief. Yeah. And and that's when I take death out of the equation and equate grief with loss, that makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of things. I mean, we all lost a lot of stuff for a temporary time being as far as seeing people, uh, human interaction, you know, like Mm -hmm. for everybody that's not living with somebody like. When was the last time you, you know, hugged someone that was, you know, maybe someone in your household Um, and just general contact. And I I get that. And going out to restaurants, I mean, I know things are a little different there than they are here. And like, obviously, every state has different restrictions. And um, but I mean, I haven't done anything. And I think especially early on when everything was like legally shut down. It was, I think a lot of people are probably experiencing that. Um, can I add, can I add to yeah. that real quick? Yeah. Um, cause I think I didn't mention this either. I think it's also the loss of emotional security and like stability, um, group wise, because I feel like there was so much and nece- necessarily and unnecessarily, I'm just, you know, both, but, um, a lot of anxiety infused into our culture, Yeah. like all across the board, um, in different both ways, right. Of people being like, you know, rebellious too. Right. So I feel like there's been energy as well that people have had to grieve, you know, before things were this tense before yeah. there was this anxiety. So like emotionally there's been a shift as well. And I imagine a not realizing it's grief and then b not properly, um, addressing it and coping is creating additional problems. Uh, like you said that how it's, it's related to love and, and, and kind of allowing yourself to, I mean, be vulnerable with people. Right. Is that. Yeah. yeah. And our attachment to that thing, right. Our attachment. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Attachment. (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. I have a list of questions. Okay. So I think, I mean, I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I'm wondering (laughs) still, is there any appropriate time limit to grieving? <laughs> I'm a therapist, so I'm biased <laughs> and I will say no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, it's really, it's interesting. Like, I think even like the, uh, I'd be curious about the context of that question. Like what? Oh, I wrote all these questions. To? I'll tell you, oh. I'll tell you exactly what it's related to. <laughs> you okay, know, you I, I just, more. I was thinking about grief and grieving and I was like, I think I have some questions about that and I wrote down one and then I just started writing down more. Um, I relate that to people that kind of, and I've come from a completely judgmental place, but <laughs> people that are like stuck in that spot, right? Like maybe they um, lost a best friend and uh, I don't know, are 
just it's been years and they're bitter about it or something or maybe they lost a spouse or a family member or someone died like people that get stuck at like to be non-therapeutic people that are like stuck in that rut and and it's been so long that literally everyone around them is like when are they gonna just get the fuck over this um you know like that's where that question kind of came from and i know there's not a time limit and everybody's different and every experience is different and every different loss is different like i i get that i'm just wondering do you think that has more to about like someone not seeing in themselves that they need to grieve something so they haven't and so that's kind of taking over their life or uh is it something completely different or my way off base you know i it could be it could be that i'm not saying it wouldn't be um that i have a couple of thoughts so like not that this is necessarily super helpful but i will say the dsm i think complex grief is like a diagnosis is usually Ooh. when they have certain symptoms for over a year Gotcha. Um, which some people might hear that and be like, whoa, that's really like, that's actually a small period of time, especially if you lost like, you know, a partner or, you know, a family member or yeah. what, you know what I mean? Or it varies person to person. Right. Yeah. Um, so the DSM has certain ideas about this. Right. But I will say, you know, we do see variances in how even people like with this, you know, siblings in the same family might have very different grief experiences and there's complex grief, right? Because if say you just had a fight with somebody and then they pass away, like sometimes there's the unresolvedness of whatever just happened yeah. or, um, if you've had tra like a trauma relationship with that person or there's other things that are related to that person that you were, you needed them to be alive for, yeah. um, that it was related to like security in other areas that makes it complicated and complex because then it's like multiple losses or loss of identity, loss of security in other areas. Then here's a, here's another kicker, <laughs> ambiguous loss when, you know, you lose So there's multiple forms of this. Um, but I'll just, I'll speak of the one with, uh, with death where you don't know if they're dead or not. Oh, so, you know, say someone is lost or like, you know, missing oh, person. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, like, My wife watches Dateline constantly and I can't <laughs> even imagine being put in the shoes of those people that are like waiting six months until they like find the body. And like the whole time, you know, you're watching it and you're like, you guys got to know this person's gone, right? But like you don't because they're still technically missing. And it's, yeah, I can't even fathom being in that position. Or like, you know, sometimes even in war or other things, you know, people have gone missing or they don't know exactly what happened yeah. and if someone died or if they're prisoner somewhere or what, right? So there's there's that type of complex loss too or the ambiguous loss where um, someone has a traumatic brain injury and they're still physically there, but they're emotionally yeah. and like for all other purposes a totally different person. So grieving who they used to be and the relationship you used to have with them. Um, what I'm not trying to make light complex, of this. It gets complex, right? Yeah, but yeah, huh? the ambiguous loss, everything you're describing, all I can think about is like a hundred different movies. Like That's like <laughs> the category to derive a movie plot from, ambiguous loss. Someone's missing. Yes. They went to war, they're missing. <laughs> or like, yeah, the... I mean, look at dementia or something like that. Uh, the Notebook. <laughs> you know, like there's... Oh man, there's so many. Those, those are all movie plots uh, under that category. <laughs> movie plots. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, yeah. 
But yeah, anyway, so that's, I guess my point in saying that is that's why I think it gets hard to put timelines on things yeah. sometimes because if there's uh, attachment trauma related to that, like usually it's like if someone's really struggling with grief and it's not getting resolved and they're actually working on it and dealing with it, like, or when I say working on it, they're like processing it and trying, or at least trying to process it. Um, there's probably some extra layers there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I was just curious, like, that's what I was thinking about. Um, I don't know. I was trying to piece together when does grieving become unhealthy <laughs> like what is what is unhealthy grieving and i didn't write that question down but that might be a good question <laughs> uh or rather kind of to tie into the question i did write down coping methods for grieving and i guess subtext like what are healthy versus unhealthy methods of, of coping with grieving so I'm going to have a general statement, yeah. but obviously there's various shades of what this looks like for people. So when it comes to like processing and offloading emotions in general, yeah. the healthy ways to do it basically have like three rules. Number one, Ooh. Ooh. don't hurt yourself. Okay. Okay. I like that there's number rules. Number two, don't hurt other people. And number three, don't hurt valuable objects unless money is just not an object for you. This is me kicking holes in the wall as a child. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> well, I'm like, you know, if because for some people it's like, uh, especially with anger, you know, they yeah. might want to take a baseball bat to things and I'm like, don't do it to your car or, <laughs> you know, like your TV because yeah. that could just like get expensive, you know, yeah. so it's like Hit the couch. Well, financially be rough. Um, but yeah, so I, I know that doesn't necessarily give these specifics, but if it's crying in a bathtub if it's what I, like does that hurt anybody does yeah. that hurt you does that hurt valuable objects no like whatever rituals or things help you offload emotions um physically drinking heavily is good um yeah it's well obviously it's like drinking heavily hurts you over time right yeah, and yeah. Potentially and, other people. And, yeah, I was going to say. And potentially property. <laughs> so and potentially valuable property <laughs> yeah. as well. That's going to break all that's three true. rules. Um, that's true, right? So yeah. that's why it's like not self-harm, not drinking, not, you know, impulsive shopping, not, you know, all the things that, you know, get people into trouble, so to speak. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, something I mentioned earlier uh, that I, I was struggling with. And hopefully you can give some advice to people. How do you allow yourself to grieve? Cause allow that's, yourself to grieve. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Um, like I said, I found out that, oh, I was feeling grief. Like, But I was so kind of resistant to that idea. <laughs> like, why would I be grieving something right now? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, well, just kind of, you mentioned earlier the the attachment, right? Like you can't have that attachment with people if you're not allowing yourself to grieve. Right. So how, I guess, yeah. How do you, do you, does that make any sense? You're, mm -hmm. <laughs> your, so, your smile either understands me or is just watching me go in circles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm thinking more that you're probably thinking of grieving as just crying or being sad about it or feeling like, Oh, sad or like, Oh, I miss it or something like that. But it could actually be like the frustration you have with the present too, or like the, cause I'm like, mm. I'm wondering if it's for you, grief is showing up more as like, 
I'm pissed off that things are this way or this, the fact that things have changed, it's impacting me in a negative way and I'm yeah. feeling stress or anxiety or anger about it. Yeah, I guess, it, it, I guess I, I don't know what does I mean Does that make by sense? That. Yeah, it does make sense in that, but the way you're wording it makes me think like, you don't allow yourself to grieve. You're going to grieve whether you like it or not, but it's going to come out in different ways if you're resisting it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Usually. Or yeah. it's like giving yourself permission to be upset. Yeah. Like when you're feeling upset, like letting yourself offload that anger, it doesn't have to be just like being sad about it, but it being like, I'm so freaking pissed off about the state of the world and where, you know, what, whatever that looks like for you. So I like, so the way I offload a lot of, uh, anger, grief, stress, um, Cocaine. I have conversations <laughs> in my car and I'll like, um, I'll say things and I'll get like heated and I'll say all the things I would never actually say to a person, yeah. um, or to the, you know, to the world. Um, can you give me Kyle's but, number? I want to hide a microphone in your car. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Oh, Oh, I'm so glad you edit that version before you bring it to me, babe. Like, thank you. Um, that's funny. When I'm when I'm good about catching myself and actually editing it versus him, yeah, poor, yeah. you know, because I think you know your partners tend to get the worst parts of you. Yeah. Um. So he's a very patient, understanding dude. <laughs> um. But no, I I really do like. That's how I offload a lot of my stress and anger and frustration. And and I think for me at least, I'll say my grief with the pandemic has come out come out more in anger. Okay. Like I haven't been as sad. Like I've had a couple moments of sadness and I just like let myself be in it when they're there. But I think it's essentially being aware of your emotional experiences and letting yourself go there versus and, – and for some people it's actually creating a practice of where you consistently offload things yeah. throughout your week um, because what happens for people is they – they don't do that and they subconsciously internalize things. They just like hold it all in and they get so used to it that over time they're like, I just don't have that emotion. And it's like, yeah, but it's leaking out in every other area, including your self-esteem. Yeah. So sometimes internalized anger, stress, grief can um, actually sound like low self-esteem. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably internalized stuff. So, and that's where maybe you ask yourself the question, like, what am I really upset about? Yeah. What is this really about? And you might be able to get there sometimes. Sometimes you won't. But it's just a good indicator that you've been holding things in and you, you're internalizing it versus um, consistently offloading stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I have to make a practice of it. I have to, like, throughout my week. Yeah, it's, you know. I uh, I definitely understand that because, the, yeah, the more I address and work on stuff, the better I feel about myself. It's slowly coming to terms with everybody's right. Well, Can, oh, go ahead. I was just going to, I should amend that. I'm not saying everybody's right, but uh, I meant that as like, my therapist was right. <laughs> like, um, oh yeah, I do need to. Okay, fine. I get so resistant to. <laughs> Am I just like saying what she's saying? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, I was going to be like, fist bomb like yeah like we're <laughs> no you're definitely on the same on the same path like and i think you know anytime you want to feel better about yourself it's not a bad idea to look at the things that you might not be addressing whether that be through like journaling or um just talking 
stream of conscious writing, like any number of methods to be like, oh, this keeps coming up. Why do I do that? Why do I think this way? Like, what am I not? I don't know. I could branch off on, on topics that are not grief related. Can, so I, can I add one more part to this? Cause yeah. it's super important. Ooh. Another thing for people, if they're not, cause like some people it's like, they're sad about stuff, but they can't cry or angry yeah. or they don't feel it. Um, also pay attention to your body and where you carry stress. And sometimes like doing, it sounds weird, but sometimes when people get massages and that part gets worked on, they start to get teary or when they start doing yoga poses and things are starting to release in their body or like other somatic things, that's when the stuff starts coming up because you may just be storing it in your body too. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you, ask me how I know. No, you, um, you keep your issues <laughs> ask me how I know. in your tissues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I, I, I'm friends with some yoga instructors and <laughs> I get told that a lot and I get told stories about people um, like breaking down in the middle of a yoga class. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's happening? So fl- turning the tables, how can you be a supportive person to someone who is grieving? Hold space for it. I mean, don't um, don't say trite sayings like everything happens for a reason uh. or um, <laughs> they're in a better place or... You know, because I think people say that because it comforts them to say something nice about it, yeah. but it's not actually comforting for a lot of people. Um, I think even just trying to fix it itself is like, can be hard for people. It's like, just let me be sad. Let me grieve. Let me be mad. You know, um, I think it's more about holding space. And, and the way that I've seen it play out well is letting people be where they're at. And it's more about like holding space, being with them letting them kind of experience whatever emotion they're experiencing. Cause again, people get so uncomfortable around other people grieving that they often subconsciously shut it down. Yeah. They I don't mean, mean to, but they do. I've been known to crack jokes inappropriately just to <laughs> ease that. <laughs> I mean, it's not, not great, but that's part of a uh, part of what I do to break the awkwardness. <laughs> Well, and I'm going to reflect that back, which is okay because, well, and I only say this from a place of also having to work on this myself, like, that's probably because of your own discomfort with grief when it shows up in you. Yeah. And I'm also, I mean, I'm actively working on trying to, uh, like, sit with people. Um, A lot of people have reached out to me recently, especially just, like, with things that are going on in their lives and... Um, I feel like there's that muscle memory twitch that like, just like fix it, give them the solution. <laughs> and like, I'm like, no, just, just sit there. Just listen. Occasionally say, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I was like, this is great training for when you're a therapist. <laughs> but um, it's good for like, just being a good friend yeah, too. Absolutely. Just being a good human. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you wouldn't believe how much of like their therapy skills are be a good human. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, it's I don't mean that in a weird way. It's hard for all. I'm I'm the person to that like I have to really catch myself when I go into like crack a joke mode or spin it to the positive because that's like my version of it. Yeah. 
Um, and so it's, it's a self-awareness thing, even for me too, where I'm like, okay, there's still stuff that I'm working through as far as sitting through my own grief and like certain areas of grief I'm more comfortable with and then others I'm not. And I notice it when I start to like go to that place of like, ha ha. (laughs) And it's like, no, stop. Just say that's what she said. Just say that's what she said. Uh, we have a lot of office humor in my office, so that's why I'm just like... It's, oh, that makes me happy. Awesome. I like any yes. office that supports the office. <laughs> yes. And I get compared to Michael Scott a lot. Uh, oh. <laughs> probably, definitely a compliment. Um, <laughs> Are you sure? Because <laughs> it's not... I don't know. I don't know where the compliment side is coming from. <laughs> I know, like half the time I'm like, you're, you're kidding, not kidding. <laughs> Are you saying I'm being naive, but hilarious? <laughs> but also very funny all the time. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Such a compliment. <laughs> it's definitely about um, your sense of humor. Um, yes. And my ego, my ego likes to go with that definition. Good. Um, <laughs> good. Stick with it. Otherwise, you may have to grieve. Um, full <laughs> right. circle. Uh, so... I did want to tag on to that last part about being a supportive person for someone who's grieving. Doesn't it fall on the responsibility of the grieving party to, like, say that's what they need <laughs> and not just expect the, like, you know, if I'm grieving, I can't just expect my wife to know how I feel and what I need. <laughs> like, there's, I feel like there's some responsibility on me to be like, hey, this is how I feel right now. You know, obviously, if it's like a funeral, you don't need to go around to each person there and be like, listen, this is what I need from you right now. But in a in a close situation, like a, a partner, wife, yeah. husband, other. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. Yeah. When you are grieving, it is your responsibility to say what you need. And in fact, I really honor that boundary too. I mean, generally, but also because a lot of people, they'll do the thing where they're like, Oh, I'll bring you casserole next week or I'll do all, you know, they start to become rescuers and try to come in and like predict what that other person needs. And, and then that to itself too can become overwhelming or like yeah. not helpful. And so it's up to them to let you know what they need if they need help with casseroles or whatever, um, <laughs> you know, that don't just assume that you know what they need or what's helpful for them when they grieve. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on grief and grieving? Or is there anything you want to talk about that I didn't ask about um, questions on? <laughs> so, yeah, actually, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, of course. A, cu- a couple of things. Um, I think first I just want to validate that like grief is, I think, one of the hardest, if not the hardest emotion for people. Um, there's, there's just something about it that like makes it super hard and complex typically. And again, I'm not saying the other emotions don't have their own weight, but it's one of the ones in therapy. I feel like people have a really hard time processing, sinking into that sort of thing. And so I just want to validate that this is a, this is a hard topic. So if you're going through grief right now in your life, like, um, which we all are in, in subtle ways, but if you're going through a big grief, like, um, you know, it's, it's okay to not be okay. I guess it's really hard yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's okay to not do grief. Well, quote unquote. Um, 
it's you it's such suck a hard at grief. <laughs> we all do because <laughs> we're all like, this is a, such a hard emotion. Um, let's tell a joke instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's me at least. That's my that's my flavor of it. Um, and then I think the other piece too is like it's worth learning how to do how to grieve well and to build um, trust in yourself over time that you can grieve. Because the problem is when we don't, when we don't think we can grieve or we've had a uh, trauma or rejection or loss yeah. where we didn't grieve and it's like unresolved, we typically will take that into the future and not, and that will inhibit our capacity to love and connect with things, with people, with life. So it is so worth us figuring out how to get better at grieving because the better we are at grieving, the better we are at connecting and loving deeply and being engaged with others and with life. Yeah. So yeah, Be- beautifully deep thoughts, put. but, but true, really true. Yeah. I just thinking of everybody that grew up with uh, emotionally distant parents that learned that they shouldn't feel certain things. Unlearn that. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you. Deep thoughts with Jenny Helms. It's like Jack Handy, but it's a little different. Um, 